Well, welcome everybody, and thank you for being here with us. Until all of his legal stuff is played out, and until the NFL rules in some way, I just think his 2021 season is a washout. The fact that the Texans took a kid with their first draft choice this year, I mean, with all their holes to fill. <laughs> they are an expansion team. That's what they have one pick in the top 80, and they pick a quarterback. And Nick Casario says, in essence, oh, that doesn't mean anything. Maybe we got our starter for the future in Davis Mills. I don't think he's that. I'll say that. But at the very least, yeah, you take a shot in the dark that could be the future. We, we can win games and make do if Tyrod did get hurt early in the year and we got to throw somebody in. Texans uh, have released uh, their schedule. Now it's time. It's time. Here is the schedule. Check it out. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up for What podcast talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles and are joined this week on schedule release. There's not just a Tiger released in Houston this week, we've got a schedule to talk about and a man that doesn't probably need much introduction, I'm probably going to have to ask him not to forget me when he's big time, but uh, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from the Beatbox podcast and Radio 610, how you doing Brandon? I'm doing good, man. I, I appreciate the kind introduction, but the the one thing that I will always be, no matter what's going on over here, is is common. You know, I got enough people in my life that keep me common, so I will never forget. I will always know and always appreciate my time on the Turn Up for Why podcast. Oh, I appreciate having you on. I think, uh, I think it's, I mean, and I was sort of thinking about this just writing up my notes, and you think of a guy like you and a guy like me just sitting talking across the water about a team that's probably not going to be very good this season by any stretch of the imagination, but it's uh, it, it shows you that it's bigger than sometimes what happens between the white lines. Yeah, well, especially with this. I mean, the whole, the whole thing with the Texans right now is observing everything outside the white lines and how it materializes inside the lines, right? So, and it's going to take some time knowing where they are right now for that to for that story to fully be told so you know we're we're a part of something you know that's that's really starting from the from the ground up here and and whether it actually turns into something worth watching still remains to be seen but but the process is is fascinating you know from from rebuilding the team from i mean even just the idea of firing bill o'brien and then the replacement ultimately becomes David Cully and yeah. just the, the, the premise of whether you even got better there, you know, just, just to have that initial conversation. And then that's not even to mention all these other things that you and I obviously have gotten into and we'll get into here. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a fascinating time. It's a fascinating time. And and it, I will say it is cool to, to, to be there, to feel like you're there for something that's like from the beginning. You know, um, like this, this is a new beginning. And so however it turns out, I will have been able to say, hey, I was there when they started this project and pass or fail. This is how it went. Where we are right now, and I suppose I hear, I've, I've heard multiple people question it, and it's, it's probably true. I don't think the team's chances, quality of personnel, quality of coaching staff, are any better than, or I don't think we're any better off than we were in 2002, three, four, and five. I think and we're right probably at that stage. And at least I suppose back then you had a, a new quarterback that 
had potential, and maybe that is Davis Mills. But when you watch the draft and you watch them kind of shed picks to get certain guys, take a quarterback. What was just you know your kind of five thousand foot view of of the draft and just how it went? Well, let's so let's start with the quarterback. Just you know, initially I was anti quarterback at that spot because I didn't think any of the good ones. You know, all the good ones went high, right? So, and, and after that, I wasn't impressed. You know, I, I didn't want or did not think that the Texans should draft Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond or Davis Mills. I didn't think any of those guys were going to be like a franchise-level guy. I wouldn't be surprised if, if any or all three of those guys makes a career in the NFL as a backup or a plug-and-play starter and, uh, you know, in, in, in a pinch, so to speak. But But those aren't. To, were never to me the answer at quarterback. Therefore, were not options that I thought were good ones in that space. Now, the other side of that argument I understand is, hey, you might as well, if you need a quarterback or feel like you might need a quarterback, you might as well draft a quarterback every year until you find one. That That is a philosophy that I'm not necessarily opposed to. Here, it was just the specific quarterbacks that were available that I just did not think were worth the time. And I suspect that I'm going to be proven right on that, that with Davis Mills, what you're ultimately going to find is perhaps a quality backup and and a potential, like I said before, plug and play kind of guy that can start for you in a pinch, but not somebody that you want to build your team around or once your team is a, is a contender elsewhere, you know, around the quarterback, think that this is the guy like to me, I, I'm not even sure if he's Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, so, you know, as far as like talent wise. So, so, I mean, so, so what do you do with that is, is, you know, ultimately the question. And so that's why I didn't love the pick. Obviously, as someone who's, you know, who's kind of in it for the long haul, I'm open to be proven wrong on that and would love to be. But I don't, I don't, I don't suspect that that's going to be the case. Um, and, and then, of course, the, the other notable move is the one you alluded to was trading, trading up. What was it? Basically 20 spots to get Nico Collins, the the wide receiver who I think has some potential and and adds an element to the offense that I don't think was there, the big catch radius. One of my colleagues here at Sports Radio 610 said that uh, right after the draft that the, the Texans need a wide receiver who can ride the rides at Six Flags, the 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 amusement park, uh, the amusement yeah, yeah. parks here here in the states. You know, you need someone who's at least tall enough to to kind of just go get a ball. But the idea of trading up for him, I know, was controversial, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. But in in the, in the moment, I thought, man, this guy better be really good. You know, like this guy, this guy better be really good for someone who didn't play last year and. It's not necessarily an impressive route runner, but physically has tools and again the big catch radius, some speed. You know, I'm I'm interested to see how all of this goes. I was not a big fan of the the class overall. My favorite pick is probably Brevin Jordan, the tight end, but I didn't feel like they had a whole lot to work with. You know, from the start. So it was I was only going to be but so critical, but I will say picking the quarterback that I don't think is going to amount to much is is a little bit disappointing. Yeah, because you, you want to put some stakes in the ground for future years, and I, I don't think they did that in many ways. Um, and 
Nico Collins, yeah, I think because you give up an equivalent of a third, right? And we, you know, and if you think well, we've given away picks like they didn't matter last couple of years, if you think, you know, if you just think if you'd had the Duke Johnson pick, uh, if you'd had the Gary and Connolly pick for eight games and all that kind of stuff, and you think, well, okay, we've, we've not given. We've not used the picks. We've not given them the respect, I suppose, that they deserved in many ways. And we've not given the the process, or, or certainly Bill O'Brien did not respect the process of how it is to build the team. And I think Nico Collins would have been the perfect pick if you go still had if Watson was was in play this season. I think because that's exactly what we missed uh, last year. Ironically, you you jettisoned a guy out of town that had that exact skill set um, for you know personality issues or what have you, but. And hop, and we'll come on to seeing him in week seven. But there, there's yeah. How, how about that though? How about how about the fact that you had a better ver- you had a better version of yeah. Collins not that <laughs> yeah. long ago. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago when Hopkins was on this tape. That's a very good point. And there's a and there's a reason why he was available in the third. There's a reason why Bevan Jordan fell at the fifth because he doesn't have the prototypical measurables that guys succeed in the in the pros do. Um, I thought the worst. I thought the worst. I mean, I can live with that because it was a. It was very specific. You can see a role. You can see his tape. He played a big school in the Big Ten. He's done it. You know, he's there. There is pedigree. So you can kind of think, well, fair enough. You can obviously see what I can see. You know, you've got coaching staff links. But for me, the get the the Garrett Waller one was the worst. I think because he, you know, they've traded up for a guy who is a uh, Brian Peters, Dylan Cole type, both undrafted free agents. And it, and I watched both. Uh, talked about this last week. Um, and there was two games I watched. I just couldn't believe that was who they picked at that spot. You know, and you think, just take a flyer on a DB or an edge rusher. And just because the payoff is so much bigger there than that, that special team linebacker who might, you know, be able to play a bit, sort of come downhill from sort of safety and nickel and dime looks probably is going to be more likely than actually being able to stand up at the line of scrimmage because he just, he's not got it, I don't think, from what I, from the, the two games that I watched, the Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. So... Yeah, I thought that was, it was almost like the, the board they had was very small. And I saw this week that they said a lot of teams only had about 10 or 12 first round grades. The rest were all, you know, by the time you got into the teens, teams were well in their second round grades. So if you, you know, if you continue that trend right down your board, by the time you're in the fifth and sixth round, it's more than plausible that a lot of teams did not have, you know, draftable grades in the sixth round or even the fifth for that matter. So um, it, it seemed like Casario kind of thought, well, We'll, we'll trade up to get in a position. I know there was, uh, was a Nate Hobbs from Illinois. They supposedly were trying to go up and get missed out on him, um, if that's to be believed. And um, and and they just they just squandered a lot of felt like they squandered a lot of resources. And if it was more the fact that they put resources in or they took resource, resources out next year in a fourth round as well, and just said we threw a fourth round in was his exact phrase, Casario. So. Yeah, I think overall, just sentiment for me is limited. I think, you know, a possible quarterback, a possible, you know, X-type receiver, a possible move tight end that may have some blocking and upside, but his, his tape is some good, some bad. And a couple of guys who are special teams and some guy called Roy. So, you know what I mean? It's limited, <laughs> I think, overall. I don't think there's much to think, you know, we've got... Even if you came out with three guys that you thought, well, oh, I can see the law play starter role at some point in the next two years then fine, uh, but we didn't do that. And I think it's limited and it's probably just another step. But I think the biggest thing for me, Brandon, was the the quarterback pick. It just felt like you're one step closer to the end with the whole Watson thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that that is clear. They didn't want to say that, and obviously they can't say that given where they are with everything, just that it's so hairy right now. But that is that made it very clear that, I mean, not, now you have 
you know, remember in the beginning of the offseason, the 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 reason for going out and get getting other quarterbacks because you didn't have any more, right? Uh, AJ McCarron had become a free agent. Josh McCown retired, and Nick Casario tells us, hey, "Well, yeah, I mean, all we had was one player under contract at you know, at quarterback, and so we obviously had to go get some." Well, now you're at the other end of that, where now you have four quarterbacks on the team, and you know, and somebody's got to go. Right. And and I mean, the, the the obvious choice from a st- from a talent standpoint is Ryan Finley. Like, what what's he doing here? But I mean, you you executed a trade to get the guy and and we all know what's going on with Deshaun Watson. You know that it's just it's just pretty clear. So. So, yeah, that that is a window into the future. Now, we you know, we can split hairs on on how they've addressed the future, whether they pick the right guy or whether that was the moment to address said issue you know, with the, with the quarterback, but, but yeah, it's an, it's an obvious and clear indicator that Deshaun Watson is not here for the long haul, whether that's because of, you know, him not wanting to be here or them not wanting him to be here at this point, it doesn't even really matter what the reasons are because it just, you know, it doesn't seem tenable. I, I still just as somebody who wants to have to, to witness and cover good quarterback play still have the, the slightest bit of hope that, that there's that there's a way that he could still be on this team and these that these things that are happening off the field could possibly not be what they appear to be and seem to be in some cases and mm. and and that this thing could just sort of fix itself but you know that's that does not seem to be the case um and and drafting Davis Mills is an indicator of that I am interested to see what happens with Deshaun Watson as far as the league is concerned because Mark Berman did have the information late uh late in the night that um apparently he was able to get Tony Busby either on the phone or or one way or the other and you know at least four of the Deshaun Watson accusers have um cooperated in some capacity or spoken with the league so, you know, I don't know what that means and what that entails and, and what that looks like for Deshaun Watson. I mean, before I'd seen that, you know, my thought on on this whole thing was, you know, as bad as it sounds, there is no real hard, you know, proof that Deshaun Watson did anything uh, nefarious beyond, you know, possibly having some type of, you know, sexual relationship with a uh, with a massage like the the. The biggest thing that you could pro- probably even put on them would be prostitution based off of what you what you feel like, you know. So I didn't know what that was going to mean for him in terms of the long term investigation or for the league. But then when you find out that more than one, you have more, at least more than one accuser, you have four, according to Busby, apparently, per Mark Berman, who are talking to the league. So uh, so now now I just want to see what's next with that. You know that you know because that that's a that's a big part of this now. Um, you know Deshaun Watson's availability, and you know that that would determine, I guess, when and if a team's willing to trade for him. Um, so yeah, that's your quarterback room now is Terod Taylor and some combination in your with your backup with Ryan Finley and and Davis Mills. Um, and and Deshaun Watson doesn't seem to be much part of the equation. And I'll say this real quick about the quarterback competition or the quarterback room. I don't, I don't even know if competition is an accurate word to use, but the the quarterback position group and the expectation for Davis Mills, because this is the conversation here. It's like, 
well, you got to find out if this guy's a starter this year. You got to you got to get him on the field, and you got to find out if he's a starter. You got to find out if he's a franchise quarterback. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, I guess you know, sure, but but he's not. So let's <laughs> he's not. So and and goodness, I could not imagine him proving that he is this year in his rookie year. Like that would be just highly unlikely to me. So my thought is let's temper that expectation, bring it down just a little bit. Okay. Let's calm down and let's see if he can be your backup quarterback this year. Like my thing with Davis Mills is if he can't, if he can't supplant Ryan Finley as the backup quarterback, you know, if this guy's not your backup court, like I don't want any healthy scratches and, you know, like if 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 he's hurt, obviously that's different. But if he's healthy and is not the backup quarterback, then I don't even really want to talk about him much anymore. Like I, I feel like we can just kind of move on and move on to the next thing, you know, and and admit that that shouldn't have, that that shouldn't have been the pick. But but that to me is a fair and realistic expectation. Can this guy at least come in and be your backup and go for there go from there? And then you probably still go ahead and like don't not draft. Spencer Rattler or whoever it is, don't not draft that guy next year because you're holding out hope for Davis Mills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that it's interesting because you've got kind of like three guys. Was it Slovis from USC? Uh, is it Sam Howell from Sam North Howell, Carolina? Sam Howell, and yep. Yeah, and then you've got uh, Spencer Rattler. And the only one I've actually properly watched was Rattler just in the game I was watching. Um, Garrett Wallow and then the ball comes out of his hands so easily. Mm. You know, it, it looks effortless, uh, like deep balls. Um, I suppose when if you ever saw him on the uh, that Netflix series, don't think he came across particularly well. Um, and he's yeah, I don't know if he's if he's the kind of guy you want, and how does the, the fame, fortune, and and all that kind of stuff that comes with it. We've seen that already kind of make. Somebody who you thought was salt of the earth type makes some questionable decisions away from the field when his life changed dramatically from a financial and you know infamy point of view, oh, yeah. and he might actually be infamous, and he might end up being infamous rather than famous. And I think that's interesting. On that, I just I hadn't actually seen that Mark Berman thing. He just tweeted out something eighteen minutes ago, and it just says up to four people may speak to the NFL. A lot didn't want to do it. About ten to twelve were contacted. Um, yeah, and I think that that's where all that's where it'll spell different. And I, I'm the same, Brandon. I I hope that there there's a point where you can say to Watson at this stage, and like, I know I've probably repeat this a hundred times this off season, but you've let us down, you've let the fans down, and you've let your own name down as a thing. So if you're going to do anything this year, it's get back on the field with your tail between your legs and maybe try and play a bit and just prove to everybody that. You know, it's not affected you, and uh, and then we'll look at it again this off season. But there could well be a June first, post June first trade. I don't know. Um, just very quickly wrap up. Um, do you th- what do you see? do? You see it being settled before this off season? Do you think he'll still be technically a Texan, sort of, until until the new new calendar year, at least? Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. It's not ideal, you know, but I I think that's what's going to end up happening. Um, there's just too much that's that's you know, uncertain and it hasn't been solved. And, and like, I, I still view things the same way that I did around the time of the draft. It's like, well, is he going to get traded before the draft? No, no, they got to deal with all of this stuff. All this stuff's kind of ha- has to get untangled. And the volume, it's the volume of cases, man. I mean, that's really what it is. Like, yeah, that's it. You've got way, 
it's way too many variables. Like trying to, I, I, I get going to the Ezekiel Elliott case and uh, Ray Rice and you know Adrian. Anybody? They were all just one. Yeah, though. everybody else who's had one, maybe two, but like you usually just like one thing going on, and it's like, yeah, but this guy's got like twenty-two now documented allegations and not just documented, but like filed with a court and you know, there's process like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't see it. And I mean, you know, we're over here trying to parse out the different scenarios and who would be good, uh, you know, who, who would be the teams and, and Philly, you know, Philly seems like a legitimate candidate. You know, there's buzz around the league about Philly being interested and in them having a lot to offer, you know, along with what, you know, you know Miami and Philly seem to be, those ideal yeah. landing spots with the most and, and maybe maybe the Giants now potentially picking up that extra first thing yes. possible. Yes, potentially the Giants as well. Um even though they I mean obviously they they'll take Deshaun Watson over Daniel Jones, but they've made a an, a very odd commitment to Daniel Jones to me as far as like that yeah. being their guy. Do you know I watched his team I was digressing a bit, but I watched I think before we played Pittsburgh last year just to watch their game the week before and the kid can sling yep. it it's just his ball security yep. he's just he's never improved it so uh, yeah it's a funny one that and I, I think that's that that that's that's the thing that will always loom over and before we talk about the schedule all this shit will always loom over this team because you had the, the most important thing you could ever neither want in this game and a mixture of him and a mixture of the the team messed it up and I suppose we, we got a I don't know were you at the golf were you at the, the charity golf day River Oaks I was pretty pretty bougie bu- you were well pretty bougie it's uh, I was, is uh, <laughs> yeah what did you what did you it's make funny of it because I just ran into my boss not even like my I ran into my boss's boss in the hallway not too long before I came in here to to, to talk to you and so we you know we were talking about it because she she's more of the one who runs in those circles on our behalf with the the bougie, the bougiest of bougie, and the riches of the riches. Right, that's River Oaks. Yeah, yeah that's what River Oaks is. <laughs> uh, you know, that's that's the the area where Cal McNair and Tony Busby live. You know, um, the the rich guys of Houston, the class of Houston, so to speak. And I was telling them though, or I was telling my boss that you know I've lived here my entire life for the pretty much my entire life, and there's there's a high school that's very very popular and common name Lamar High School that's about three or four blocks away from the country club that I've been to dozens of times. Never been to that country club. Didn't know that that's exactly where it was, that it was that close. Like I've been in that close to that area, but I'm like, wow, the the rich are are, are actually within reach right here. Uh, so I mean, yeah, it, yeah. It, it was it's fascinating that that's such a, a rich and well-known part of the town for a specific group of people. But for me, who's lived here my entire life, I I'd never never been there and hadn't considered it. So uh, so that 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 part of it was interesting. You know, obviously when we got there and on the content side of it, you know, we, we knew going in that the people that were slated to speak to us were CEO Cal McNair, General Manager Nick Casario, and Team President, the new Team President Greg Grissom. So we knew that, but and and of course the we do also have the context of Coach Cully having just lost his father not too long ago, um, but we also knew that yeah. that that Cully would be there or figured as much that Cully would be there 
And so it was odd that he wasn't on the docket to talk to us and that he did not talk to us. We didn't get the sense that he was trying to avoid us because some of us were able to make some small talk with him on the side, you know, you know, on the on the golf course, so to speak, before, you know, in a little lot of time that we were allowed to be there. But it was just an odd thing that they invited the football media to this event, knowing that we'd be there to ask football questions and didn't make the football available. Do you think because he. Do you think because he messed up on that podcast with uh, the two guys from NFL Network, I saw him give some answers to team media, which were not great. Do you think they maybe underestimated his ability to to front to front it up for the next couple of years? Do you think? Do you think they maybe? And obviously, he's gone through a bereavement, and he's you know like your father and stuff, and like you know that's a big thing, but. Um, I don't know if they've maybe just thought until this settles down with Watson, let's just keep him out of the final line because he'll he's he's almost too honest. Yeah, the uncomfortable part about that too was the feeling that 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 what you're saying is the case, and especially at the country club, it was it was hard to divorce that that we're here we are at the country club where let's just be honest, we kind of stick out a little bit, some of us, and and. You know, I argue myself and David Cully, you know, we not a lot of people, you know, we still got a little bit of the country club. And then on top of that, not really trusting what, how, you know, how he's going to handle it or what he's going to say, you know, if he's going to be a t- too loose with it. So both of those things, it's like, hey, you know, it's one thing for this to happen on Zoom, but man, we don't want this guy to say the wrong thing at the country club. You know, for our event, for our event yeah. that's supposed to highlight charity, like you know, Cal gave you know gave away ten thousand dollars to charity um, for for a, yeah, a pocket pocket yeah, change, right? <laughs> you know, but they you know they don't want to mess that up. They want that to be, you know, just let you know let that sit there. So, so yeah, I think all of those things, them not wanting to make this an adversarial headline or for adversarial headlines to be written from it. And uh, again, to specifically not cause some kind of weird, awkward scene at the country club. What What do you think of? And this is just again, and over, you know, over analyzing everything. I think, and but partly because, well, because I think like you don't talk about the coach much because there's nothing really to talk about. We don't really know what it's going to be a bit of a hybrid mishmash offense until we see it. But nobody really knows. There's not really any big signings or any players they've brought in to talk about so you kind of get and caught up in the in the small bits and maybe trying to understand a bit better why it's gone wrong and the last two times Cal's been out and then twice in a couple of weeks rocking the uh the handlebar mustache this week I thought that was uh that was he's really sort of progressed that just from the classic sort of uh older man tash he's kind of given himself some appeal I don't know what it was I don't know what uh who he's modeled himself on um but I mean, he, he looks comical, I think, and he just kind of looks a bit kind of clumsy. And but then I, I suppose you saw a clip with him going up to speak to to Wade Smith. Um, eh, sorry, um, Wade Phillips, and uh, and he, he sort of butted in, and then he kind of he actually when you saw him like that, he actually kind of maybe he's relaxed his own environment. It's his his deal, etc. And he kind of looked all right. But what is the deal with his wife standing right in, in just out of camera shot every time, staring intently as him as he answers the question? I mean, I'd be off put by that, I, and I don't know. And he doesn't seem like you know the most comfortable speaker in a public setting, but it's almost like 
it's almost like she's watching, and I and I I, I become com- uncomfortable with her influence as you see her more and more because I just don't. I, I, I don't see how it can be a good thing, particularly with the Watson kind of issue. You know, you can, you know, everybody kind of views these issues from their own personal light. And I don't know, I just, there's something about her that makes me uneasy. And she always has done. And obviously there was the famous picture of her falling asleep out of one too many in Chicago. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's something about it that I just, it looks, it looks strange. Um, so therefore I would suggest it perhaps is. Yeah. So I was, you know, again, I was there and, I feel like I've been around them a couple of times before, but this is probably as close as I've actually been to, and as close and as long of a time that I've been around them. And that she's just the dominant, she's the a personality of the group. Oh yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, big time. so yeah, that, yeah. that is just, that's always, if she's around, that's what it's going to be. And, and like, I, I think that, I think that everything that we've seen from Cal supports that, you know, as far as like, just how, how you know, how, the way he's, the way he carries a room versus the way that that she can. I mean, she really, she really was, you know, her, she and David Cully were really the personalities out there. Uh, Nick Casario is actually a, a little quieter, but obviously has a kind of has a, his own kind of confidence and way about himself. And 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 cows cows there, the nice guy, but just you know, kind of just there, the money guy. Not a whole lot there like you, you heard him call the linebacker a tackling machine and no because you forgot his name isn't he? <laughs> well, and not just that but like a linebacker who's a tackling machine as opposed to what you know what i mean like he's a linebacker you know so like yes he's a tackling machine because he plays a linebacker <laughs> you know it'd be like you saying yeah we drafted that quarterback who from what i heard is a throwing machine you know, or that running back who's a running yeah. machine, or the you lineman can, who's a blocking machine. I, I could, you <laughs> yeah. could almost, you, you can almost like he's he's probably just like quoted that word for word of somebody. What or, you know, he's probably asked, "What's about the new linebacker?" Oh, Cali's a tackling machine. It's a simple, simple yeah. metaphor he could take away and just go, "Oh, great!" And then he'll hold on to that. I forgot the guy's name and yeah. said it. Um, was it was it Neville Hewitt? Is it or something? It's like that? Neville so, Hewitt. We, we, we was referencing because he he did say yeah. from the Jets. And that's, yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. About. He almost pictured the detail, but he's just not that close because he's the guy that plays video games at his office on the floor, so he's not too bothered. Yeah, yeah, but but that, that's 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 the personality dynamic, man. She is, uh, yeah. she's the yeah, A yeah. type. He's more of the B type, um, and and you know it's it's not it's not like it's unbearable. She's she's fine. It's pleasant. That that picture though is. <laughs> the picture that you referenced though is going to be like a forever meme you know oh like, yeah. yeah let yeah. them let them be as bad this season as we suspect or or expect them yeah. to be every and, week every week oh my <laughs> god that's gonna that's gonna be like living on your timeline we should probably talk about the schedule i think the only one thing was the haha clinton dicks obviously a draft pick in what 2014 2015 green bay packers bears for a year yeah didn't make the cowboys roster gets supplanted by i think it's darius thompson or something like that so on the depth chart out of the game for a year it's probably just a kick the tires kind of yeah maybe add I, another one we've still got a couple open. i think we've got two spots left open on the on the 90 man yeah a couple of spots a couple of spots left open and i mean you don't really have I think you know they still got, they still have AJ Moore, but I don't think they have a ton of safety depth, you know, no. uh, beyond that. So, and then of course Lonnie Lonnie's going to start, and he's only in his second year playing the position. 
at number so, one. He's changed his number to a C. Yeah, I mean, how about, uh, how about what that? About, just, just, a, just a touch of self awareness, Lonnie. Wouldn't go miss you. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm telling you, one thing that this guy, I, I, I always love the questions that we get whenever, uh, whenever we talk to a defensive coach. You know, namely, uh, it, it'd either be Anthony Weaver, or Romeo, and someone would ask about Lonnie's confidence. And I'm like, like, you know, because they moved his positions or whatever. And I'm like, man, you don't know this guy at all. You don't follow this guy. And you weren't, you must not have been around before the pandemic, you know, when we used to could be in the locker rooms and talk to these guys. This guy is not lacking for confidence at all. <laughs> and, no. and, he's, and he's showing you that he's going to wear number one. And uh, damn it, I hope he plays like a, hope he plays like a, you know, like a real, like a safety and like with, with the level of awareness that, wasn't clear and wasn't there uh when he first moved the position i i think he, i think it's possible you know I'm, I'm not i haven't ruled out lonnie johnson yet um you know aside from just being disappointed the fact that they drafted you know used a premium pick on a guy that they thought was a cornerback and had to move him to safety there's a huge amount of kind of question marks with him i, I always remember the game i was at in kansas city where he just had a basically had a, a street brawl with travis kelsey and he should have had about five or six penalties flagged he got away with Five or six of them, at least, yeah. And uh, and, I, and I thought, well, do you know what? The guys at least got the willingness. Um, so I, I think there's a there's definitely a, you know, the tools are there, but he's certainly not put it together. And I think somebody who was playing at safety didn't look like he knew how to play safety, um, despite it not being all too different from corner. I know it's a completely different skill set, but you still. But as a corner, I would suggest you have awareness of what safety should be doing in and around you, and to kind of look that lost at times. And he gave up. From some of the tape clips I put out on a Tuesday morning from the All Twenty Two, there was there was a number. Um, so going to number one is uh, is perhaps a little bit short of the self awareness of his developmental yes. Uh, yes. capacity that he needs. But yeah, look, I'm not going to. You need confidence in defensive back. Uh, they're looking at Stephen Nelson as well. That was rumored yesterday. They desperately need another corner. I don't know how they're going to fill out the season with the, the depth chart they've got. Um, but time will tell on that. I think. Um, it's a strange one um, how they've not added any more corners. I think because like that, you think they learn a lesson. I know it's a different coaching staff, but I, I keep going back to the, the thought all the time when you see certain things come out that it just kind of feels kind of similar to last year in many ways. Like I, I feel like a lot's changed, but also at the same time, not a lot's changed. There's a lot of reoccurring themes. I think as we head into the season. Yeah, yeah, we were trying to decide. I think even just a couple of weeks ago, whether. You know, we we know that Nick Casario's made a lot of moves. The the question is, are these good moves? You know, it, it it's been real easy. It seems like to get caught up in oh, you know, 60, 60 70, however many transactions and over half the roster turn, turnover. Um, and then just assume that just because they've made changes, that those changes are good. But you know, it seems to be a lot of running in place. You know, like kind of like what you, <laughs> what you're indicating. You know, it's it feels like they're on a treadmill. You know, and, and they're not actually going anywhere. They're just, they're just exercising. <laughs> you know, and, and exercise can be good. And you know, and and maybe 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 it's gonna work. You know, um, you know, I I know there 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 is there is a a, a hope and a belief in I, I know is because you, know, you mentioned corner that. Desmond King and I haven't watched a lot of tape on Desmond King like like and really studied his game but there's a belief here that maybe that could like this could be the prove it year akin to a couple of years ago when Teron Matthew was here at safety and 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 you know earned himself a 
a bigger contract with uh, with the Chiefs, and that maybe that maybe Desmond King could have a year like that. I don't. I mean, maybe you know. Um, and 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 they have added some guys. I mean, Terrence Mitchell. Like there's there there is there are more guys there, and I I feel like the the one positive thing about the defensive back room is that there shouldn't be as much Vernon Hargraves again if they stay healthy. Um, but but it's not like you've like you've really improved much there, and so I like and 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 that was the reason why in the draft that was the position you know I did a podcast on the Bebop podcast leading up to the draft saying go get you somebody that can cover. You know, because you don't have that many guys that can do that right now. And so and especially, you know, going and looking into the future. Now, what I didn't give enough credit to was that they don't have any guys anywhere for the future. Like they don't have anything. (laughs) So for me to for me to for me to single out corner was very specific and and somewhat nitpicky when you think about the future, because they need they need a guy everywhere. Pretty much. Maybe. I mean, pretty much everywhere. So, but I, I, but I thought that, and that was that was the the major concern for me, and I still feel that way that they they don't have like Bradley Roby is their best cover guy, and and I don't think that that's ever going to be good enough. You know, Bradley Roby should be a number two corner, and the fact yeah. that he's by far and away your your best says a lot about the room. Yeah, it's exactly like Shaq Wilson's your best rusher. He should be your second, if not your third best yes. rusher, if you're a good defense. Exactly. Same I think that's same. just the, yep. yeah, you know, so it's like it's just average upon average of competition. And they keep going about competition, but yeah, there's there's not enough time, there's not enough reps to can even work out who the best guys are here, I think. And that's the problem. It's just been such high volume that I think you would have been better, and for my opinion, having a huge undrafted rookie class and saying to guys, Look, we're rebuilding here. You've this is probably the lowest risk environment you can come into in this year. And, uh, you know, we're sticking with the coaching staff for two years here. That's the commitment we've got. So you're going to have two full years. You're going to have a full year to develop them, whereas be a pro. And then second year, you're going to have a chance to chance to actually, you know, test yourself if you've got a future in the league. Um, you know, and look, I think maybe one, if not both, those the, the two offensive linemen from Texas A&M might be, you know, might be viable options. Um you know, but I, I just don't think we did enough of that, you know, and bring another two wide receivers in. But, you know, bring those two wide receivers and give them a chance because then you've got well, Alex Erickson, Moncrief, uh, uh, Chris Conley, all these guys. Just give it to the undrafted guys and see what they've got. You know, I think it's it just feels like we've been, you know, we've we've, we've hoarded all these, all these guys and I just don't know what the team's going to be. So as we go through this schedule, I've got no clue. I mean, I suppose we can make the assumption that we think Tyrod Taylor will be the starter. And we'll just muddle our way through with a variance of personnel, and it'll probably change, and we'll probably release players throughout the season, and you'll there, there will be more turnover. I, I I can't see the amount of turnover we've had not continuing through. It's always been a churn the bottom of your roster kind of sentiment, and I think that is important because it, it shows accountability, and you can cut people if they're not pulling their weight, not performing, etc. You know, New England's punt returner muffs it. He's he's gone on Monday morning. You know, so there's that kind of element of it. But I think it's hard to it's hard to see anything but a clouded picture with this roster and how that pertains to these these uh, seventeen games that have just been laid out for us yesterday. Yeah, and you know, we were talking about it here that for the most part, like they don't like how many games. You know, when we found out earlier in the day that. That the Jags would be the opener at home, mind you. 
we we thought, okay, maybe that is that the only game that they'll be favored in, you know, and and you can make a case for maybe some others, and it it'll play out obviously as the season plays out. It's it's hard to say that this far ahead of time, but we were thinking that like, man, this could be the only game that they're favored in. And then the line comes out, the betting line comes out from Vegas, from Las Vegas. And they're not, they're not even favored at home against the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. And why is that? Because the Jaguar, even the Jaguars with now with Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence offer more credibility than the outfit that you've put together here in Houston with, you know, David Cully as your head coach and, Either Tarod Taylor and or Davis Mills or or, or God or, Ryan or, or God I was gonna say or God forbid Ryan Finley uh in some kind of odd circumstance is your quarterback. And you know, you know, Lovey Smith's out there with 17 linebackers. And, you know, you're just trying to you're just trying to figure it out. Uh and 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 that's that that you know, that's that's reflective of how bad things are. And, you know, you talk about the roster. Yeah, there's this is a this is a roster of all, you know, pretty much all replaceable guys, man. I mean, one of the big storylines that we'd made, you know, as this roster was being developed was who are the cornerstone who are the cornerstone players. You saw that then you were like the the I, I I've just not been able to bring myself to write an article since the draft or anything like that, but you, you see the images of or the headline images and it's 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 often Brandon Cooks. There's a couple of Justin Reeds, a couple of Laramie Tunsils. Right. Um, right. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, there's not yeah. There's not many. Yeah, and, and 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 to think, you know, like those no disrespect to any of those guys, much respect to them, but those are not with the exception of maybe Tunsil, none, none of those are actually cornerstone players. Those are good good players to have on your team. They're all good players. But but that's not what that is. You know, <laughs> did you see the um the uh, talk about Robin Salt and the wins? Did you see? I think it was Peter King or something like that said that actually, um, privately, um, is it Chris Greer, the Dolphins uh, GM? Actually, they were uh, overwhelmed by the trade with Houston privately because they had serious questions about paying a left tackle, top rate, top rate salary on a rebuild. <laughs> I just, I mean, eh. yeah, I mean, a left tackle does not win you games. Does not win you games, and oh man, I was having this debate with um, another guy in the media who, who I'm really cool with, and and we were just talking about like the 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 Tunsil deal and reflecting on it, and I was admitting that you know like in retrospect, because I, I was a proponent of the deal and and didn't give enough scrutiny to what was given up, because I was like yeah yeah, same, man, same here. yeah man they need it they need a left tackle man we you know Deshaun's gonna get killed out there. And didn't give that enough scrutiny. And so now I'm able to say, hey, I was wrong. Flat out, hard stop, no excuses. I was wrong. And, you know, my buddy's like, nah, man, we weren't wrong. This is, they, they, you know, they, they had to do that. And, and it's like, hey, man, no. Yeah. It's like if you, it's like if I'm moving to a, a, a one bedroom, you know, a smaller one bedroom apartment, I don't need a 55 inch uh, T. Like it, 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 it was basically buying a TV way bigger than what your living room space is. You know, when you you need a bet, you need a TV because you don't have one, but you don't need that one. Like, that's not the one that's yeah. gonna, that's going to get you there. And you ended up, you know, paying for as if you had room for for a projector in your in your living room. And it's like, no, it's you could have you could have gotten by with the with the tackle that you just drafted a few months before. And, you know, it, it's 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 just mind blowing that they spent that much money 
on a left tackle when you almost never have to. And the only like the only reason or the only team that it would have made sense for to give that money to actually was the Dolphins, which makes sense why they were having concerns because they drafted the guy and they they got the guy. And so it may it would have made sense for them to pay the guy. Um, But here comes here comes the Texans saving the day and and bailing them out of this conundrum that the Texans didn't realize existed. Yeah, and you, when you see the Orlando Brown price that's gone this offseason, it just shows you, like, mm-hmm. timing is everything. Yep. Leverage is everything. Mm-hmm. And we'll hopefully Kishari will understand that if Watson is shipped post-first June. But, yeah, I think we're both on the same page that he'll just be clouding the 17-game stretch. Just in terms of 17 games, what do you think of that? I, I, I thought a far better use of the 17th game would be just your local rivals every year, whether that's the Saints in terms of distance, uh, drive time or whether it's Dallas in terms of you know interstate rivalry every year and just have that constant game every year now it'll be next year I think that we go back up to Dallas um, yeah which I remember that and if you think of how much the team's changed since that game when there was probably 60% of the fan base in AT&T was wearing red yeah uh, to now if you go back four years later there'll maybe be 30% you know of of the of the seats will be taken up by people supporting the H and I think it's 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 changed so much but I, I thought the 17th game just kept having another uh, rotation with the, the opposing uh, conference I just kind of thought it was a bit lazy really yeah I mean it's literally I mean it is literally the same as the last couple of years like let's just end the season against the Titans you know or you know end the season yeah. against Nate you know and and not just that but like when we when I look at the schedule and break it down, I'm able to make every single game interesting in some kind of way, except the Titans game. I don't have any like obviously I'm going to watch them and and I'm sure I'll get into them once they play. But the, the they are probably the the biggest dud. And, and and again, Texans fans, people who follow the team don't really need a reason to get up for the Titans. So that that's fine. But it still is the case that there's no. I, at least I don't have it. I don't have the buzz on what the Titans game is. And so then you get down to the end of the season and, you know, that's the 17th game. You know, I'd, I'd much rather, I know the, the thing that I wanted was to get at some point, if they could like, you know, stack the, the, the teams on the West part, on the Western part of the country together, you know, the, the, the Rams, Chargers and Seahawks. And if I could get them all in some kind of clutter and they spread them out, quite a bit through uh through the schedule that was one thing i was kind of hoping for but yeah that 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 last game is so unimaginative i couldn't agree with you more it's just uh you know they they just squeezed an extra game somewhere in between and it's like oh we're playing the cardinals all right well good thing there's a story there because that wouldn't make sense Uh, otherwise or doesn't feel you know or it doesn't doesn't feel like it makes sense otherwise i don't see why if if I think it was Vic Fangio actually pushed this idea last year, but I thought it'd be a far more interesting product if you play 16 or you play the other 15 um, AFC teams uh, and then you play two rotating NFC games every year. Then you get the, you get the truly, truly best of the NFC versus the AFC when it comes to playoff time. And then actually the, the NFC and the AFC play one another in every game right through to the playoff. Yeah. Um, and then you get, then you get, it's, and then it, it levels the playing field a bit more. It reduces the margins, uh, and you get you know the truly the best team at the end of the year. Because I think sometimes you can get 
you know, if you look at, you know, the other year when, when the Chiefs weren't even meant to be uh, in an automatic spot and then New England got beat off Miami last game of this, you know, last game of the season and, yep. and it just kind of swung the whole playoffs completely wide open and they go in and win the thing. So, uh, yeah, I think you could probably let level the playing field out a bit and get more or a wider variance of games rather than having to wait four years to play some of these teams. And I think as well, playing the, the teams in your division twice, it's pretty boring because yeah. like when we're looking at the schedule, like speaking with guys last night, we're like, right, what game are we going to go to? Hopefully, you know, borders being open. Um, we've always wanted to do two road games and it's Indianapolis. And you're like, well, you know, I've done that obviously, you know, yeah. <laughs> so it's well, like, it's, 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 it's rep- repetition. Yeah. And then especially like when you're in a division that sucks, it's like, okay, well, you know, what, what, why do, do the Titans need to play the Texans twice last year? You know, like what's, why is that necessary? You know, it doesn't feel necessary. And on top of that, I think, and this is an even probably a, a more to the point is that, you know, the, the divisions are supposed to be ge- geographically specific, but are not necessarily always. And so it's not like you're, it's not like you're doing that really either, you know. Um, yeah. In some cases you are, in some cases you're not, you know, like the, the like the AFC North, for example, though, those cities like there, there are actual rivalries there. Some of the, you know, you could look on the West, but like the AFC South, there are no there are no there's no connection between Houston, Nashville, Jacksonville and Indian, you know, and Indianapolis. Like we're four totally like the only connection you got there is just that, you know, Nashville took Houston's team or Houston yeah. team left yeah. for Nashville. But other, otherwise, like so. So like the 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 reasoning for it that would make sense for the way that it is doesn't actually doesn't you yeah. know, check out. So why not do some of these other things to tinker with it? Well, that, yeah, because I, I was looking at the map today and my geography of the US is not always the best, but when you look at all the teams at the other side of Lake Michigan, obviously you've got Pittsburgh, you've got uh, Cleveland, Buffalo and Detroit, and that's a perfect division because they're all right next to each other, but, you know, obviously that's uh, not, how they've laid, yeah. <laughs> not how they've laid it out. Um, just uh, looking at the schedule as a whole, by week, week 10, so it's kind of pushed back a week, so the equivalent of week 9 from last year, so, you know, all right. I think what's interesting is the split, though, either side of the bye week, because you've got... F- of the first nine games, you've got uh, four home, five road, and then on the on the back eight games, you've got five home, three road. So technically, the 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 second half uh, post by is is perhaps kinder in that sense. Not that I think by that stage of the season it all particularly matter. Only one prime time game, I suppose, they've only got themselves to blame for that as well and then the and they also have three home games back to back as well for the second time in recent memory yeah so for me what stands out about the what, what we've got with home versus what i'm noticing and and i i knew this like i didn't need the schedule to come out to know this but once just once you see it put together i don't have them winning a road game I, I I mean they they could beat Jacksonville obviously, um, and and they probably will win a road game. They could win more than one road game, but like I'm just not. I'm looking at it here. I'm like, man, they've got. I feel like I like their chances better with the Jets at home. I feel like I like their chances on Thursday night football with the Panthers at home. I feel like you know they could beat the Patriots for a third straight year. Even though I don't I don't feel necessarily feel as confident about that as I did last year, but. I, you know, I, I see opportunities for them at home and when they go on the road, you know, you know, no matter the sequence and it is road heavy to start, 
but I've basically got all of those being losses, you know? Um, and so that, that is, that to me is sobering to think about where the team will be at the bye week to like, to your point about it being road heavy before that to me means that you're going to already have sort of a losing team, you know, and, and that's going to be realized for you. Um, before you even get to that back half of the schedule. Um, and then as far as the the one, having one national game, like <laughs> for it to be, I, I, I don't understand. And, or I should say, it's clear that the league is not impressed by or like clamoring for any of what we are gleaning from Texan storylines. What are the top Texan storylines that they're going to be, you know, uh, when are they going to, Let's let's put them. Let's put the Cardinals on. Uh, you make that make that a primetime game. Let's let's you know look at some of these matchups. You know, uh, it could be you know Carson. Could it be the? Could it be even been the the season opener or you know one of these Carson Wentz games or any of these rookie quarterbacks that's coming in or Justin Herbert and like like trying to think of ways to to build it up and they're just like ah nah Panthers. You get the you get the Panthers in week three on you know. Uh, <laughs> it was know, literally the the extra yeah. game. That was yeah. Like- <laughs> It's like, it, like, here's, here's just your, here's your throw in and, you know, and that's it now, <laughs> you know, for, for me, like I would have loved to, have, to have seen that, that national game be the, the Cardinals one, because that would have been like, you know, just that, that, that is the, the time where I think everyone would have been able to just kind of dump on this whole thing that the Texans have done over the last couple of years and where we are. And maybe yeah. even and maybe even put a pin in it and 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 move on because it's like here you are you see you know these guys are on this team and you see what's left of this team you don't recognize it anymore and you know I thought that could have been a, a, a compelling matchup but yeah you can you can almost imagine the graphics now and they'll probably still do this in the Thursday night football uh, is that that be NFL Network and I think Amazon as well so probably yep. won't get the full treatment but nope. You can just imagine all the graphics of all the players, new signed up, stacked up. This was the team last year. This is the team this year. Don't even know half these players. Also, Rand, nobody's journeyman versus a team. If it was going to be Arizona, he'll probably hand it to us. I would think, uh, considering some of the vendettas and some of the, the you know the being or the feeling of being let down, particularly from '99. So yeah, I, I mean, looking at you, like you said, I think it's interesting because you. We've got a state of flux with our quarterback, but actually seven out of the seven out of the seven opponents, um, and maybe even an eight if if Watson ends up going to Miami, um, are going to have new quarterbacks at some point this season. Um, so it's you know there's a, there's a lot that is TBC. There's a lot can change, but I think what we can't hide and what what will what will be unmissable is the lack of talent on both sides of the ball. And I think when you look at the when you look at the the defenses, I think when you go and I think it was obviously great. We've got Buffalo and we've got Cleveland um early. Um and Buffalo's the game I really want to get to and see what that, you know, the, the, the much famed mafia and it's meant to be like a college atmosphere. And I think that's probably the best road game this year. Um besides Miami if you want to go to the beach, you'll, you'll need yeah. to pack your cold weather gear even still in October. But you think if you got Cleveland, you've got Jadavian Clinton, it's going to be a big defence. Buffalo, I don't think we'll be able to handle their offence. Same India, I don't think we'll handle their defence uh, in week six. And then Arizona, like you said, then you've got you got the Rams and then Miami into the bye. So I think, you know, if you go through those games, I think there's a very legitimate outcome that it's maybe one win 
and probably I would say right now, if somebody offered you two wins, you'd probably take that. Yeah. So, uh, and so let's start with, with the Browns game. This is going to be the ultimate test of what did they do with that run defense, right? Like, like you're not yeah. going to, oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like you're going to really get to fully focus on, Hey, historically bad run defense a year later with all the changes. How does it look now against the, against the Browns? Um, and then the same thing with the bills, like, you know, they're not necessarily the, the, that, that type of defense, but it's a very good defense. And don't forget this story, man. You know, the, David Cully versus, you know, here's going to be a David Cully and Tim Kelly slash Pep Hamilton led offense against Leslie Frazier's defense. The guy that you didn't hire, Good hire. you yeah. know, um, yeah. and, and that's going to be, you know, fully like fully focused to me, aside from the fact that what a difference, not even a full two years makes when we were laughing. I know I was laughing at, at the at the Bills for blowing that 16-0 lead in the AFC divisional yeah. round. I was there for that. And uh you know that th- we are in totally different uh, scenarios and situations now and places now as franchises, you know, just to look yeah. at hey this thing this thing has actually worked out for the Bills. I know that that was a rough night and and, and we were on the you know the Texans were on the positive end of it. But the you know this has worked out for the Bills, and look at where, look at where they are now here at this part of the schedule. You know, in in week four, uh, not even a full two seasons later. So, you know that yeah. that fascinates me. And then the Colts, you know, a couple of weeks after that, when they get you know when they're back on the road, you know, an, another similar situation here with uh, the Cully Hamilton Kelly led offense versus Matt Eberflus. You know, another guy who you thought might be in the mix for the head coach position for the Texans and who, you know, Deshaun Watson, when asked, specifically when asked, because, of course, they played him twice, when asked about Eberflus was complimentary. You know, and then and then again, there's that there's that Cardinals game waiting right after that. You know, um, some real fascinating road road matchups where you you don't feel like they're going to win those games, but they're going to be they're going to be interesting and compelling. And there's going to be like anticipation leading up to it. And then you're just going to watch your football team. I mean, even that Miami game. Right. Like I know here there's a you know, here at our station, there's like this kind of silent, not even silent hope. They've talked about this on air. You know, if Deshaun Watson gets traded to Miami and he's either served out of suspension or the suspension doesn't happen or something like that. Like if all of those things can happen between now and then and by yeah. the time you get to week nine. That's game nine. So. Yeah, by the time you get to week nine and you go to Miami, are you, like aside from the fact that Miami's fleeced your organization and like even without the Deshaun Watson thing, you you still got, hey, you know, Will Fuller, Bernard McKinney and all these guys on one side used to be on your team. And then you just got you just got. the And then, of course, then they got all your picks. And then you just got, you know, Laramie Tunsil on your, you know, Laramie Tunsil. Yeah. And, Trying and, to pretend that, pretending that he's interested in run blocking just so it kind of right. floats through there. Exactly. As opposed to just making business decisions and cashing those checks that uh, that that Jack used to be in Bill O'Brien. Uh, we're so eager. And it's all it's all guaranteed. He's had it already up front. So if you're ever going to see a dip in play for a guy who you've uh, who's not relying on the game checks and got you know a huge portion of his salary guaranteed this year, and he's only I think he's only on the hook for seven hundred. Yeah, 
and, and, you, and you know, he's a, he is a mindful guy. Like he's, he's not going to mix it up when he, if he doesn't deem it necessary. Okay. Let's just, oh, yeah. let's just yeah. and, and I think, and you can see that on film, you know, where he's, he's not dogging it necessarily, but he's not, you know, like he's not, he's not going to go all out when it's, if it, if the, if the moment doesn't necessarily call for it, if he doesn't see the point, you know, and so, and so then you get that. And so that you've got that matchup It's like, thanks Miami. This is now, this is our, this is our franchise player that we actually traded to protect the guy that we thought was the franchise player. And I'll be damned if they don't end up having him, you know, like if, if, if that happens, like they, they would have to change that. Like if, if, if Deshaun Watson somehow pipe dream ended up being traded to Miami and was able to play in that week nine game and you've got the Dolphins for all of the fleecing that they've done of the Texans and to add insult to injury, they've got Watson at that point like that, that to me, I and mean, maybe it's just the Texan, the Texans bias and influence on my part, but that to me, I don't see a more interesting game, you know, other than maybe Brady going back to New England, you know, like that's, that's it for me. Yeah, I think you look at the week prior as well with the Rams defense. Um, you know, what's the the concoction offense going to put up against that defense? I know they've oh. changed coordinators, so yeah, they may be a they may be a different proposition. And then, as you said, that Tennessee, yeah, it's probably the most unintriguing game. But then I suppose you get the you get to see Zach Wilson, you get to see Justin Herbert, and you might see Trey Lance down the stretch as well. But I think when you look at those back end games, it's kind of hard probably to get excited now. But I think like exactly that Tunsil point and whoever else, you know, what players have mailed it in at that point because they've either you've, you know, it's like something like Whitney Merciless and I saw him talking about the, the you know, he thinks he can play in 4-3 and that's what he played at college and, you know, we'll see um, if he's had a physical transformation. But again, another guy who knows he's not going to be here next year, who's had all his salary paid up in bonus payments so we didn't hit the salary cap. Same with Brandon Cooks. You know, every player that could have been, uh, you know, renegotiated, has been renegotiated, have pretty much a fair chunk of their salary already. They're not reliant on game checks. They're not going to really be affected by that. So, yeah, I think that's a big, big turning point. And, and I wonder, do you think, do they, um, do they bring in a different quarterback after the bye? Do they use that as an opportunity? Say you do go, you know, two and seven into the bye, which is quite likely and I think would be a good, good outcome probably. You know, anything more than that, I'd be pleasantly surprised. That is a potential where they throw in Mills, I think, for those last games, particularly when you've got at Tennessee, which is not the hardest environment to play in. And then you've got the three home games, albeit against the Colts and, and then but the Seattle and Jets defense, I think, is probably a good a good tester for somebody to see like, you know, lower end defenses. Can you compete at this level? Yeah, I think and I think honestly it's serving two purposes. And one of them one of them, you know, gives off a more positive vibe than the other. It's it's what you describe. It's evaluating and finding out what you have in a guy. Like how good is he? You know, and we, you know we've been talking about that here for days now. Like when when exactly do you throw Davis Mills in? And now that we've got the schedule and we've played it out the way we have in our head, yeah, that seems like you know bring him back after the bye week. Most of those games are going to be at home again, like the the home heavy sided you know side of the schedule. So that could make sense for him. And and also, like at that point, you know, if you are, you know, two and set, you know, if you've won one or two games at that point, it, might, it probably helps you to to have the lesser of the quarterback out there, you know, and that's yeah, the, yeah. that's the not so positive vibe of it because it, ha- it has the, the feeling of tanking 
And depending on what your sensibilities are about that, you might not you might not love that element of it. Like, you know, we're putting Davis Mills out there both because we want to evaluate him, but also because, you know, we don't like we don't necessarily want to win these games. And, you know, if 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 we if if we think that Terod Taylor still actually gives us a better chance to win and we don't want to win, then maybe we should. But so it's almost like a balance there because because you, you want them to yeah. do well and, and you want the evaluation to ultimately be a positive one. So you don't want it to be the case that he's not good. Um, but but those are those are some somewhat competing interest. And and I'll be interested to see where my mindset is, honestly, once we get to that point. As someone who doesn't believe him to be that guy, if I'm just like, yeah, let's let's go out there and do this experiment. But if I'm kind of like, you know, in the back of my mind, rooting for it to fail so so they can go out there and 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 get somebody that you actually think and use use a a, a first round pick, you know, and, a, a, you know, a, a top two, top three pick if they're that bad on a guy as opposed to, you know, uh the the seventh, I don't know, what was he, the seventh or eighth quarterback, you know, taking it a draft, you know, um, that to me, to me, there's a, there's a benefit there. Um, that that's, that's double-sided. That's, that's kind of two-sided the evaluation and the, Hey guys, let's kind of, let's, let's kind of accept our fate here without, without saying explicitly we're mailing it in. Yeah. And I think as well that that that's what frustrates me. I think when you think when you look at the way it's shaped up and look at, I don't think this is a particularly tough schedule for an average to above average NFL team that could potentially get you know eight or nine wins and maybe sneak a playoff berth. But there is there is no there is no conditions or there's no players that they've brought in to to grow in these conditions and actually find out if you've got something else for the future. Perhaps apart from Davis Mills, Nico Collins. And Brevin Jordan, the rest are all going to probably not, you know, 60% and them probably aren't going to be here in two years' time. The good ones you'll keep, they might tail off, they find their level. And, and you know, so I, I I struggle to see, and I, I know, you know, and I've, I've said this a few times, and a lot of Texans fans, and I hope this podcast helps, and I hope, listen to Radio 610 or, you know, all the other guys that are putting stuff out there, I hope there's going to be a bit of solidarity and strength in numbers to get through this because I, it's not going to be easy at times to, to watch this. And I think when you think the biggest benefit of is, you might find out if Davis Mills is a backup bridge guy to get you through until you find your guy, whether that's in April 2022 in Las Vegas or whether that's, you know, April 2023 in Kansas City at the draft there. It's it's a waiting game. And it's almost like if you gave the fan base, and this will be a final question, Brandon, for today, if you gave the fan base and you gave everyone a chance to just hit fast forward and get us through to the draft next year and regroup, Coaching staff, TBC, that'll work itself out. But how many people out of you know how many people out of hundred would take that that option? Yeah, I think I think plenty would. Um, the the reaction that I was getting throughout the day, producing content on this, sort of the build up. That's part of the job here. The radio station is you know building these moments up. You know, regardless of how you even feel about it, yeah, you, you're building it up for the audience. And it, it was disappointing to see some of the feedback be. Hey man, we don't care. Like we're we don't we don't and and not just from trolls or from casuals as as some might call them, but from people that yeah. we know and understand to be passionate fans about this team. Like people that we've interacted with, 
for years on social media, through our text line and in our and in, in through phone calls and, and post game shows and all those things like pe- fans that we've come to know and understand to be legitimate fans of the team are like, hey, man, you know, we understand that y'all are doing y'all's job, but we just don't care about this schedule. You know, we don't we, we're yeah. not we're not or at the very least, we're not excited about it. It's not the same as it is on normal years. And so I think I think they're. I can't put a, a number on it, but it, there's definitely a feeling there. You know, that, that there's definitely something to that. Um, I know that I can tell you that the reason why I was excited about the schedule release, because I, I you know, I'm I understand the the fate of this team or the state of this team where it is, is because I wanted to see when I wanted to find out when I was going to get to see these opposing players. So you know, we talked about. You know, Justin Herbert or you mentioned Justin Herbert earlier. You know, I, I was hoping yeah. that I'd get to see that guy early in the season because, you know, I don't I don't want a chance for him to get hurt or, you know, or, or in week 16 for them to not to be playing for anything. I, you know, for whatever reason, to have to wait that long, that late in the season, week 16 to see him. I was hoping I'd get to see him early because that's a, somebody I've been a fan of for, you know, from the very beginning. You know, all the possibilities of the rookie quarterbacks that could be in from Trevor Lawrence to Zach Wilson uh, to, to the, to, to, to tra- Trey Lance is a possibility. Could even get Mac Jones, you know, and then, so you're looking forward to, like, th- this is the second straight year and way more so this year than even last year. Cause obviously like Deshaun Watson was on the team. JJ Watt was on the team. There felt like there were reasons to watch way more. So this year, probably than any other year, I was looking at the schedule way more so with the other teams in mind than than the one that I cover and the one that I care about you know and 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 I th- I think that 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 is reflected in in the fan base and you know in media you know no no one is really excited as much as we are or I, I'll just speak for myself I'm not as excited about the Texans as I am just cu- like last year I was excited to watch you know now I'm just curious yeah it's it's yeah, more I think curiosity so. than anything. Yeah, you they're assuming it will be hundred percent capacity, and I think there probably is a good likelihood it will be or or near enough that how many people actually buy the tickets? How many people? You know, because you saw Greg Grissom speak this week, and he's got a hell of a job because you think ticket sales are going to be down. Um, and look, I'll make my way there, but I made a very firm commitment this off season that I would go there, but I will not give Cal the money for a ticket. If somebody gives me a ticket, I'll walk in. But I'm not buying a ticket, and he'll never get a penny out of me and for the rest of the time I watch this team because I've overinvested for you know not that I expected something in return. It wasn't an investment, but I donated far too much than I ever should have. So um, you know, I'll happily buy a road ticket to Buffalo. I'll happily you know go and uh, buy their beers inside the ground. But I'll I'll make it there, and hopefully we'll we'll see some you know guys like yourself, Brandon, when we get there, and hopefully our borders open, etc. And that's the good that's the thing I look forward to this year. Um, but I will not be. Uh, I will not be given. I will not be given uh, the handlebar any any cash this year. That's for sure. I'll not be making my way in. So, but yeah, I think it's it will be interesting to see if the sentiment is reflected in the stands because it was to a degree last year, um, and it doesn't paint a rosy picture. But I think it's the it's the investing in the slog to get there to hopefully turn to another day. But I think if you gave me the fast forward button. I'd probably hit it before you finished your question. But, look, I think we'll be here, and I hope everybody kind of sticks together through this off-season to 
to find a way and, and to find a way to, to, to new days that will lie ahead because this is all cyclical. Don't yeah, forget it. You know? Yeah, and I, I think, though, just to put a cap on that, I, I think the what really burns about it, and, and you understand this, what, what really burns about it is just how unnecessary it all feels, how it yeah. just feels like it didn't. It, it, like, it's one thing. Like we we have teams here that you know that didn't work out you know at various times. Like it's one thing for it to just not work, you know, to be the Bills of the of the '90s, the Buffalo Bills of the '90s, or you know, or or Andy Reid's Philadelphia Eagles, or yeah. you know, to, to for it to just not work out, you know, or even the the, the Texans, uh, you know, of the you know of ten years ago, and, yeah, 2011, 2012, yeah, yeah, and it just didn't work out. But this doesn't even feel like that. This feels like it was sabotaged or, you know, the rug was pulled out for like, I don't know exactly. You, you can use whatever, you know, at, you know, euphemism or whatever, however you want to describe it. But it doesn't feel right. Like it, it feels like you were wronged as a fan and as someone who invests your time and energy into the Texans, like none of it had to be. And I think that's what's the the offensive part about it and what makes it a little harder to be optimistic when, when you, even when you want to be, you're like, man, but man, they just kind of, they just kind of smacked me in my face, man. Like, like we had a team and they, and then we didn't. And for no, and for no real, like it's hard to find like a real good reason for it. So I think that, that the fan base is struggling with that um, still. And, and there, there are some people that they're going to have to get good again to get back. Because because it's not like they can or feel like they can trust the process. Like the, the, the trust has been broken in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've got to hit rock bottom to 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 start kind of probably healing, I think, and, and coming together again as a fan base because it's been it's been an extreme and I think there's a difference between living and dying with every headline and every win and loss or every move you don't agree with. But when it's been a systematic failure that's that's led to, you know, a hundred and one litany of Tactical errors, personnel, you name it, uh, puts us in a spot where we're talking about a team that only last year I thought could have won eight or nine games comfortably, and now we're talking three to four wins on this schedule and how it pans out. But um, but Brandon, uh, thank you very much for your time, mate. Always appreciate having you on and uh, trying to make sense of it all. But uh, as I said, thank you very much, mate. Appreciate it. I'm glad to do it, and hopefully soon enough we'll um, you know we'll be talking about a winner eventually. It 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 won't be. It won't be anytime soon, but hopefully soon enough. You know, hopefully we don't have to wait too long. Well, thanks very much for Brandon for his time this week. The schedule is out. Hopes probably at a low will be probably taking a week off, being two days later this week. But hopefully we'll be back talking some fan group therapy sessions. We won't call it that, but we'll be looking for people to come on, join us and talk through to make some of it over the off season as we get into the OTAs phase two and three before training camp starts up. So we'll be asking to hear from you as we get into that midpoint of the off season, but check us out at podcasttexans.com on Facebook, on Twitter and on Instagram. And we'll catch you back in a couple of weeks. 